When our sense of self or our identity as a community of faith is premised on recreating some version of the past, we can easily close ourselves off to new possibilities of faith. When we find a pattern of living, believing, and serving, we have a tendency to normalize it. After we normalize it, we calcify it. Stories and ideas that are meant to shine a light to guide us end up becoming shackles that bind us. Luke's vision of the post-Pentecost church is striking in how dramatically he paints the church as a radically different community. Because the outcome is so far outside of our experience, it becomes easy to dismiss it. It's not about the outcome, though. The outcome is a product of the context which we could never reproduce. However, the process they followed, growing in our understanding of Scripture, growing in grace through worship and fellowship, and sharing that grace through service to others, becomes the gateway to faithfully fulfilling what it means to be the church today. This shift is a vital part of our work moving toward a post-COVID world. everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. So day by day, they spent as much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home, and they ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those that were being saved. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Friends, I would invite you to pray with me as is our custom as you see it in the printed order of service. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I love the image of a, of a lighthouse. Uh, for a couple of different reasons. One's from a theological standpoint, uh, spiritual standpoint, lighthouses are amazing images of how the, the spirit works. But I also, from a personal standpoint, my mom loved lighthouses. And so seeing a lighthouse or thinking about a lighthouse always kind of brings me back to memories uh, of my mom. But lighthouses are really uh, incredible uh, incredible symbols for us. They are uh, images of, of hope. Uh, they are images of security. That light shining uh, on when uh, ship, um, when wayfarers were on stormy seas or at night or both. The lighthouse was always that image of I'm almost home. There's still work to do, but I'm going to be okay. I can make it from here. Those images, that idea of hope and security is something that we, we all need that in our life. We need that lighthouse. We need that beacon. We need that, that, that symbol that can guide us. More so today for many of us than, than maybe ever before. One of the things that we know through the, the history of the early church is that the, the image and the, the, of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit became that beacon, became that lighthouse 
for the early followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit was the, the engine, was the power behind the life of the early church. Everything that the early church did, whether it was in community or in faith or in service or in, as Luke records, signs and wonders, was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I've heard some authors refer to um, the Holy Spirit's work in the Acts of Apostle, uh, at the Acts of the Apostles, as such an important image that that they should really rename the book the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because if it were not for the movement of the Holy Spirit, a lot of what we see uh, in the life of the early church just would not have been. But the important thing for us to remember today is that the work of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that engine of faith and ministry and community is not something that's relegated to history. It's not something that happened for that group of people 2,000 years ago. The same is true for us today. The Holy Spirit does work within our life and within our community to empower great works of faith. The post-Pentecost experienced church uh, experienced some dramatic changes, not only in terms of their, uh, their practice, their sense of, of community, but really fundamental questions about their identity. It began to change right from the moment of Pentecost when the Spirit came upon them. That's why we're beginning this, this series, this worship series about who are we really with this first seminal moment in the history of the early church when so much changed. The bulk of the, the first generation of the church, church 1.0 as it were, uh, were Jewish uh, folks. They had been accustomed to temple and temple sacrifice and uh, going to the synagogue and listening to their rabbis. The rhythms of life within Judaism were what dominated their, their spiritual sensibility. But after Pentecost and their relationship with Jesus, that changed. For a good, uh, a good many years, a lot of these folks didn't actually stop being Jewish. In the first generation of the church, they still would go to synagogue. They would still go to temple. They still would, would follow, uh, many of them would still follow uh, a kosher diet. But they became more than that. Because in their life together, as recorded in, in uh, Luke, or by Luke, in Acts, they began to add new rhythms in addition to still doing the things that were a part of what they knew spiritually they began to then listen to the apostles teaching they listened to the apostles witness they began to break bread together in different ways not just simply sharing a meal this wasn't like an like an every week kind of potluck thing but the idea of breaking bread at table was living out what Jesus had encouraged the disciples to do uh, on that night when he was betrayed. 
to come to the table and to do this breaking of bread and sharing of cup in remembrance of Jesus. They began to share their life together in very different ways. They began to live together, not just, you know, in a tribal setting, but more deeply in a communal setting beyond their tribe. And they began to share things in common. They, they actually created a radically new social and economic model when they sold what they had and they shared the resources with anybody who had need. This is an incredibly powerful moment, contextually driven by who they were in that moment and by their experience of the Holy Spirit. Still immersed in the sense and in the belief that Jesus was going to come back soon. This is an incredibly important early image of the church. But there's, there's, there's a point at which we have to step back and ask a different question about this church. Because this image of the church, of communal living, this new economic model, this, this image of the church that's often lifted up as this, this paragon, that unless the church can aspire to live into this image, then somehow they're just a, a, a faint or a pale copy of the church which then also makes it more inaccessible to us because our context and our life is different. So we raise the question then, is Luke's recording of this Church 1.0, is it prescriptive? Is he saying, if you want to be the church, then this is what you do? Or is it more aspirational? You know, communal living didn't, didn't last very long. The sharing, the selling of property and, and, and sharing of needs didn't last very long. Within, uh, the, within to the second generation of the church, there were lots of conflicts within the community that began to factionalize and fraction the life together. So now what do we do? 2,000 years later, with tens of thousands of different traditions that make up Christianity, the notion of going back to church 1.0 seems so far out of reach. The prescription, if that's what Luke is giving us, seems impossible to fill. But what if what Luke is sharing is more aspirational rather than to say here's your recipe if you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this then you then your recipe will be complete what if the idea of listening and paying attention to the apostles teaching scripture the breaking of bread together the sacraments the sharing in community, which we are doing right now, virtually though it may be, 
We are sharing community together, reaching out and texting with one another and sending emails and Facebook posts and doing Zoom meetings. We are connecting, we are being community together in the best way we can in this moment. Caring for the needs of others, people that have brought up supplies for Sue Crisp to hand out to folk um, in lieu of not being able to do showers, providing meals for folk who are hungry and homeless, caring for the needs of others. What if it is the aspiration of doing those kinds of ministry things as the needs arise within the context of the world that we face right now? Six months ago, if I had told you that this is how you would be worshiping on, it is, May the 3rd. If I told you that you would be worshiping and doing communion communally on YouTube Live six months ago, you wouldn't have believed me. If I had told you six months ago that not only would we be doing this, but you would find comfort and solace and belonging in this, and that you would actually enjoy it. I don't know, there may be one or two of you, your heads might have exploded. Because that was not our context. We could not understand or conceive of a time where that would be what community would look like. And then along comes a novel coronavirus and the COVID-19 infection. And the Spirit has moved within our midst we are attending to the apostles' teaching. We are breaking bread together. We are in fellowship with one another. We are caring for the needs of the poor in ways that we had never done before. All empowered by the Holy Spirit, the engine that has driven us throughout our life of faith, throughout the history of this church community. Friends, these practices of scripture and sacrament and fellowship and service are the means through which the Holy Spirit can be that beacon for us, that lighthouse that guides us. We are in a place right now where it is important for us to consider what comes next. What will the post-COVID church look like? What will a post-COVID Redlands First United Methodist Church look like? And the truth of the matter is, is we don't really know. We don't really know, we can't really predict how our life together will be different because of what the last seven or eight weeks have been. And this is where it's important for us to resist the temptation to begin programming solutions. Well, we need to have a, um, a coming home potluck. Well, true, we do, but if we're still doing social distancing and face masks, how do we do a coming home potluck. I don't know. We don't know what that looks like. 
in this time, in these next 30 days, when it seems like that's kind of a, a timeline for us, let us do like Church 1.0 did first. They didn't just suddenly live communally and sell everything. That wasn't a programmatic first step. That grew out of how the Spirit moved in their life when they listened to the apostles' teaching, when they broke bread together, when they fellowshiped, as they experienced the Spirit moving in their life. In those days after Pentecost, I can only imagine, well, because this is what the church has done forever, because of what we know, because of what we experience, now what do we do? What does it mean for us to live faithfully according to these gifts that we've received? What does it mean to be a disciple? Who are we really? Who are we really? We have an image of what that looks like now. But when we ask that question again in 30 days, in 15 days, in 90 days, the answer is going to be different based on what happens between now and then. And you know what, my friends? That's okay. That's okay. Because the good news for us today is that no matter where that path leads us, there is a lighthouse. There is a beacon. The Holy Spirit is still at work in us for guidance, for comfort, for strength. The Holy Spirit will be the engine and the power of the post-COVID church the same way the Holy Spirit was the engine and the power of the pre-COVID church. The same way the Holy Spirit was the engine and power of Church 1.0. Friends, that is an incredible witness. That is a powerful hope. And when all else is uncertain, that hope that promise will see us through. My friends, my family, my community, together we say thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope you've been encouraged. 
If you are interested in being part of our worship experience during this time of physical separation, please join us at 9.30 a.m. Sundays Pacific Time on our YouTube channel, Redlands First UMC. That's Redlands, F-I-R-S-T-U-M-C. Thank you.